Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for January the 3rd in the year of our Lord, 2022. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. That is the goal. What do we use to make that happen? The Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is the supreme law of the land. After all, not to mention the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by our founding fathers. Always God, family, and country in that order, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, we need the checks and balances. That's one of the great solutions we still have at our fingertips. We, the people, can get involved. We can absolutely make a difference. We need your help. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you had a delightful weekend on Saturday. Because it was New Year's Day, I took a break. And you say, you know, Sam, you're usually live on those holidays. I know, but I just try to give my staff a little bit of time off, and I feel like we're staying up all late and everything else. And, hey, why not just take a little bit of a break? We had an incredible Christmas broadcast, though, to kind of carry on the reason for the season. We always love that. But we are live today. Welcome to the broadcast. And a Friday recap makes sense. We had our guest on, Mr. Chris Carlson. Without God, we can never win. With God, we can never lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight, a discussion of all things liberty. And we talked about New York City struggling to keep going as virus spikes. More than 80% of adult New Yorkers are fully vaccinated, ladies and gentlemen. If that doesn't tell you something, I don't know what will. U.S. COVID, um, US COVID-19 cases hit record high. Hospitalizations and death remain relatively low, they claim. So I don't know what gives with that. But we're seeing more and more and more evidence that the vaccines simply do not work. Okay, that's really critical to think through and understand. Now you've got New York with over 80% vaccinated. It's not working. you got Puerto Rico, which we'll get into next hour, with 85-plus percent of the people vaccinated it's not working and they know it and they're admitting it now u.s covid 19 cases hit record high but hospitalizations and deaths are reducing it's time to realize the vaccines don't work it's time to move on and just let most of society get herd immunity it's time to go ahead and protect the most vulnerable among us that's what it's time for marissa fatio for example flying from chicago illinois to iceland tested positive for covid 19 mid-flight You say, what the heck? You're right. She locked herself in a bathroom for hours on the plane. She told CNN, here's the interesting thing. She said she took two PCR tests and about five rapid tests before she boarded the plane. All seven tests had been negative. Now she's fully vaccinated, and she's also received the booster. So, ladies and gentlemen, that just proves the vaccines don't work and the booster doesn't work. That's three shots. And it also then she took seven tests, ladies and gentlemen. The PCR test, isn't that the gold standard? Five 
or I'm sorry, two PCR tests and five rapid tests. All seven tests fail. The vaccines fail. The tests fail. Everything's failing as they lie, lie, lie. And then the more we stand up and go against it, the more they say we lie and they shut us down because they cannot handle the debate. Between JetBlue, United Airlines, Delta, and American Airlines, literally over 10,000 flights now has been canceled since Christmas Eve. It's out of control. Why? Because all the vaccinated pilots and all the vaccinated um, airline personnel, they're all sick from the cocoa. They can't go to work, even though they've been vaccinated. Just don't take a cruise now, the CDC advises. Warning applies regardless of the traveler's vaccination status. Why is that? Because the vaccines don't work and they know it. There's well over 100 cruise ships now being investigated with outbreaks of the coronavirus. They say it's just not safe. You're darn tootin' it's not because the vaccine's spreading the virus. We've told you that, too. We talked with Chris Carlson about Chapter 8 of the real Anthony Fauci, ladies and gentlemen. They call it white mischief. Dr. Fauci's African atrocities amount to pharma or big pharma colonialism is what I ought to say. If at first you don't succeed, lie, lie, lie again. George W. Bush literally announced back in the day a windfall of money for drug companies back in January 19, 2002, 15 million using drugs to prevent the spread of AIDS in Africa didn't work out well, but they continue to back Anthony Fauci with big, big money. He's violating the Whistleblower Protection Act as he shuts down any opposition. Fauci stood to collect millions of dollars in royalty if these drugs got approval. In fact, NIH, National Institutes of Health, Scientists collect royalties on drugs they've worked on. There's 51 of them that are getting that done now. Talk about a conflict conflict of interest. Uh, here's what the experts in science say. Fauci, everyone in science is afraid of him. They're terrified of crossing him. He's like a mafia kingpin. Yeah, he controls everyone and everything in public health. He spreads money around and everyone knows he's extremely vindictive that was our one with chris carlson on friday hour two we had the good doctor in the house dr scott bradley what a miracle that is freedomsrisingsun.com and we talked about the florida governor ron DeSantis got a false fact check for a prediction that he made that turned out to be true only weeks later the cdc lied and is treating the unboosted the same as the unvaccinated. Now, Ron predicted that would be the case. The fact checker said, no, Ron, you're lying, and now it came true. Who lied, the, quote, fact checker based on future facts that were unknown, or Ron DeSantis? Interesting how they fact check the future before it even happens, and then they turn out wrong. Is that fact checking, or is that flat-out dishonest manipulation? Anyway, we talked about a new study that concluded that Americans can reduce their risk from COVID-19 by losing a few pounds. I'm sure that's all true. We also talked about NASCAR driver Brandon Brown taking a direct shot at Biden. He reached a sponsorship deal with the, um, what do they call it, crypto company. This is weird, LGB coin. Uh, it's not LGBT coin, it's just LGB coin because it's like, let's go Brandon coin, right? Very interesting there. Brandon fixing to get rich. On the fiat currency, isn't he now? Boom. Turns out Judge Letts' inspection of 2020 
Dominion voting machines move forward in Pennsylvania. Yeah, they can be inspected now. So more and more evidence coming out about election fraud it is a critical issue and worthy of our focus. We can't focus on it every second, ladies and gentlemen, but we certainly can keep an eye on that ball and do our very best to change the game before the next elections. That's where we, the people, use the checks and balances to make a difference, right? We also talked about low costs of entry spur, marijuana boom in Oklahoma. We talked about activists who began organizing to secure a referendum on the ballot next year that would legalize recreational use of marijuana in Oklahoma. It smells like weed all the dang time, says the sheriff. I guess there's a pot dispensary right across the street from the sheriff's office, and the sheriff's not liking that too much. Reeks like dope all the time, he says. Wow. (laughs) Well, that's what America has fallen to, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, you can't not take the vaccines, but you can sure smoke pot. That's all cool. Anyway, I I believe we're, we're in a problem on the marijuana issue. Federal government has no authority to regulate it at all in the first place. The war on drugs is a farce. So get to the truth, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not for doing drugs, but I'm also not for the federal government pretending they have authority they don't have. And I think immoral people would only use marijuana for appropriate purposes in the first place. Let me say that again. I I believe that immoral people would only use marijuana for appropriate reasons in the first place. That's why morality in society and education are top issues right here on Liberty Roundtable Live. Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org, back with us. He's been out uh, for quite some time on vacation, as he usually is at the end of the year. He goes and uh, serves others in foreign nations. What a wonderful service he provides. Welcome back. Glad you're safe, sir. Well, thank you, Sam. It's good to be back and uh, good to be with you again on your marvelous radio program. Well, thank you, sir. Do you want to mention anything about your trip before you move on? Uh, not only we had a good time, we, uh, just, uh, enjoyed, uh, we went to, to Mazatlan, Mexico and enjoyed the, the people there, the culture, beautiful, beautiful people, and of course, beautiful scenery and, um, and, uh, and, you know, just, uh, just a good, good time. We didn't think about anything really <laughs> while we were there. It truly, it was a vacation. We came back rested and, and raring to go. So that's. Well, you better you better be rested and raring to go, sir, because you got some weighty matters on your shoulders <laughs> yeah. right now. You and a couple of other people have been working hard on the quote "Secure the Vote" Act of 2022, an incredible initiative, and we're going to get a progress report from Lil Nelson. The website SecureVoteUtah.org. Well, well, thank you, Exer. You're exactly right, Sam. We have um, just. Uh, six weeks uh, to gather 150,000 signatures from people in Utah. This is a, a Utah statewide initiative, meaning it's a proposed law that uh, that the, the people want to enact. If we can get 8% of the registered voters in Utah to agree with us to put it on the ballot, then it will show up on the ballot in November of this year for everybody to, to vote on whether we make this this proposed law into to actual law or not and, and we're going to highlight the proposal right after the break and then invite you to get involved right now hang tight Lowell nelson with us campaign for liberty.org on liberty roundtable live why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less 
Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman, Lowell Nelson on your radio. We're talking about SecureVoteUtah.org. Secure the vote, baby. Secure the Vote Act is what they're working on. It's of 2022. It's an initiative petitioned by We the People. Lowell Nelson has been heavily involved from the onset of this thing, and they've got an incredible, uh, in my opinion, proposal. Lowell? Thank you, Sam. We propose to go back to paper ballots, Sam. We would like uh, to return to the use of a paper ballot cast on election day in person and counted by your volunteer neighbors, by your neighbors, you know, volunteers in the precinct, and, and then reported to the county clerk or the city recorder that evening, just as this was done 50 years ago right here in Utah. And, of course, we would provide for absentee ballots for anyone who cannot cast his vote in person, but we eliminate computers, we eliminate mass voting by mail, we eliminate the centralization of the voting and the counting processes. And uh, so, so, so basically this, this takes us back 50 years, back to, to what worked. Um, uh, this is the way we voted here in Utah for, for decades, uh, very simply. Uh, and, and so you could, you know, poll workers could watch the count being made. You can't, you can't, you can't watch a count that's being conducted by a computer, by the way. You can't uh, monitor that. You don't know what the computer's doing. Uh, even computer programmers uh, cannot tell you what the computer is doing if, if uh, they're not allowed to, you know, to view the source code. And even then, the common person can't can't watch a, uh, the count of elections. So there's a number of reasons why we want to go back to this. 
where you you physically watch the counts of uh, the election being being conducted one by one. You know, in other words, by hand. And uh, and and that's why we 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 really want to get back to that uh, because we believe that's going to um, uh, allow for the most fair, the most transparent, the most accurate count of a vote that can possibly be done. Um, the even the absentee ballots are counted by the local election judges in your precinct, and so this would. I want to be very. I want to be very clear about this, Lull, to understand. Mm-hmm. The value of precinct over county, over state, over federal is the local nature. When you're talking about a precinct, you're talking about the average of about 800 uh, to 1,100 people uh, in a precinct. Very, very small. I know some precincts are smaller, some are bigger. But what you've got is, you know what, the ability to literally know the face of everybody, literally know the name of everybody in your precinct if you work at it. Now, you may not know somebody as well as somebody else, but you, you get, you know what, you'll know when an outsider or somebody not really belonging all of a sudden shows up. Or if it's a new, it's a small amount where you can really get an idea what's going on. And what the point of that is, is trust goes up. The real issue in voting now is there is no trust. Whether you believe there's an election fraud or not, the flat reality is there's no trust. The Democrats complained about it in 2016, the Republicans in 2020. Okay, the trust is the problem. And if you go back to the precinct level and then you have, you know, vote counters and vote watchers uh, like that, then trust starts to skyrocket. I personally uh, signed this petition. I agree with it a thousand percent. The only thing I uh, mentioned to the folks when I was at the booth uh, signing the vote petition was I said we ought to have them uh, square to the vote at the end of the penalty of perjury. Not only the vote counters, but the vote watchers. You know what? Is this all legitimate? Are you guys all good? Is everyone convinced this is on the up and up? So secureVoteUtah.org is what's happening in Utah. We really want this to happen at every precinct all across the whole country as well, right, Lowell? Absolutely, because it's local. You localize it. You you pull down the centralization, right? Anything that can be centralized can be more easily corrupted. But by spreading it out, by distributing the power, uh, out to, to the individual precincts, which in Utah are contain a maximum of 1,250 registered voters. So it, it used to be 1,000 uh, uh, registered voters was the maximum in a precinct. And so that, that's, that's why Sam is saying that it's, it's just a few people. You know, out of the 1,000 voters, half of them will participate. That's 500 votes being cast and counted by the election judges in your precincts. Which, and these election judges are just your neighbors. They know you, and you know them, and that's why the trust factor goes way up because it's your neighbors doing the. Count. And you might even say, you might even say, "Hey, this neighbor, I don't agree with on anything," but you know what? I have lived with them for years. They're good, honest people. I don't agree with them pol- politically, but hey, I, I do have some trust in them. Way more so than some bureaucrat from afar, lol. And way more than some computer being, uh, you know, used in some central location from afar that I don't even understand, can't watch, and, uh, and, and I don't know how it works. I mean, that, that's why our trust level is way down. Uh, well, another reason our trust levels are way down is because we cannot watch the counting of the ballots and being done by a computer. This, this doesn't happen. Now, what do you think about my idea, though, that says, hey, it ought to all be done under the penalty of perjury as well? That would up the ante in terms of honesty. 
Yeah, it, cer- it certainly would, absolutely. And and I I wouldn't doubt that the the original uh, vote counters uh, probably had an oath that they swore uh, to the veracity of the election that they conducted, that they administered, and that they counted. Uh, great idea, Sam. Um, you know, and so we we need people everywhere in Utah to to help us. Uh, because we're now at the point where we're we're going to begin uh, this coming weekend to, to sign an actual petition, uh, the initiative petition, the the the, the one that has uh, sway with the lieutenant governor of the state of Utah. Um, those petition packets will be made up and be distributed, and we'll encourage people to sign them and to to carry a packet and to gather signatures in your neighborhood. Uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to really double down on this, though. This is really, really critical that you understand. A lot of people tell me, Sam, we've tried everything and our system just fails. Forget it. You know what? Uh, the fat lady's already sung or whatever you want to say. That I don't agree. I don't agree one bit. Let me tell you what I do know. I know this is an opportunity for the people to say, hey, we want accountability in votes. We want to return to a paper ballot. We want to turn to local return to local precincts. This is your chance to get involved and make a difference, Lowell. We want to provide solutions and guidance and direction and hope for people. And these are the solutions. It's very clear. And you can be part of them, Lowell. Absolutely right, Sam. And thank you very much. Um, I will be uh, talking about this for the next six weeks because we have a February 15 deadline. That's the middle of February, the Ides of February uh, that's our deadline to have collected 150,000 signatures, and uh, that's going to be a daunting task. That's only six weekends to, to accomplish that. Uh, we're going to need every listener in Utah to help us succeed. We're going to need signature gatherers to canvas their neighborhoods and collect the, the, these signatures. Uh, Secure Vote Utah will provide a packet. You can't just go and, and you know make up your own packet. These have to be um, a special design as required by Utah State Code. And so uh, SecureVote Utah will provide the packets. And then, we, of course, we just need the manpower. We need you, the listeners, uh, throughout the whole state of Utah, uh, because you have to be a, a resident of Utah in order even to collect the signatures. Um, uh, we're going to need your help in, in making this happen. Sam? Secure vote. Utah.org, ladies and gentlemen, reach out to them to sign the petition and to get involved and help them get signers to the petition. And if you don't have a secure vote, whatever your state is, get a hold of secureVoteUtah.org, and they'll help you duplicate this across the country. This is an issue for every state, every county, every precinct. And there's literally, I don't even know how to count how many precincts are in America, but there's well over 100,000 of them. So if you want the most local level in politics, you got it. The precinct. Accountability. Demand it. Politely insist and work on it. In Utah, we've got SecureVoteUtah.org, and I hope you have something like it in your state. And if not, get involved and start an organization in your area to make a difference as we're doing now. But we've got, what, six weeks for people to really double down and, and get this signed. We need. We probably need 300,000 signatures because what they'll do is try to throw out a bunch of them, right? <laughs> That's pretty much what happens. Or... If you are so excited about this and sign the petition without being a registered voter, that's another name that they can discard. So, we're uh, yeah, we we actually need eight percent of the number of registered voters in the state in 26 of the 29 counties. But but really, we're we're shooting for 10 percent, 20 percent more than that 
just to make sure that we have enough, Sam. All right, and ladies and gentlemen, this again is really where we the people can get involved. And these are the checks and balances that we put in place. Right now, you're not going to get a legislature in the country that are going to double down and, and, and say, let's have, go back to paper ballots. They're the ones that moved us all to vote by mail. They're the ones that benefit by these, quote, regional and these centralized voting systems. Okay? They don't want to move back. They all complain about the other party. But the truth is they're all guilty of making these changes that have really eroded trust and created election fraud. Go back to paper ballots. Let's work on the solutions together. SecureVoteUtah.org. When we get back, ladies and gentlemen, bait and switch. We'll tell you about it with Lowell Nelson in seconds. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. As some media headlines across America read doom and gloom for America's children during the Omicron variant of the pandemic, Dr. Fauci on MSNBC says these numbers are being inflated. When in fact they may go in for a broken leg or appendicitis or something like that. So it's overcounting the number of children who are, quote, hospitalized with COVID as opposed to because of COVID. Authorities in Boulder County, Colorado, have begun investigating the origins of the wildfire that ripped through the Superior and Louisville areas. A total of 991 structures were destroyed and another 127 structures were damaged by the fire, which covered more than 6,000 acres. As the FBI is now investigating and getting tips, one of those tips has resulted in a search warrant of a property. Thanks for listening. We are USA Radio News. Cars that sound like this. Trust Pennzoil Synthetics to protect their engines in extreme conditions. Top racing teams know that Pennzoil Synthetics give them the performance to help them succeed. And your car's engine deserves the same. Because your daily commute is no less important. Get complete protection for top engine performance, just like the pros. Visit Pennzoil.com slash rebate to save on Pennzoil Synthetics. Terms apply. America is built and based on liberties and freedoms. Liberty HealthShare brings that to health care. The liberty of choosing your own doctor. The liberty of choosing your own hospital. Liberty HealthShare makes health care affordable to millions of Americans. Ignite your liberty. Sharing plans starting at $199 for a single, $399 for a couple, and no matter how big the family, only $529. That's $529 for the entire family. To learn how you can save, go to LightYourLiberty.com. That's LightYourLiberty.com. The airline industry continues to have its woes. More than 2,000 flights a day in or out of the United States over New Year's weekend were canceled. Thousands more delayed due to the winter weather and staffing shortages. Our flight was at 6.30 this morning. And we waited, and the crews supposedly didn't show up. WDIV Television talking to travelers at Detroit Metro Airport. I've been canceled twice this morning. And uh, by the way, the, the, the agents, they've been very helpful under very trying conditions. Chicago's O'Hare International and Denver International Airport feeling the most impact with flight cancellations. From the USA Radio News Oregon Bureau, I'm Jeremy Scott. Officials from the National Weather Service believe that a meteor exploded in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area on New Year's Day after residents reported feeling the ground shaking and hearing a massive boom. 911 officials had received reports from South Hills and other areas about the disturbance. USA Radio News. 
back. You're live, ladies and gentlemen. Lowell Nelson with me. Campaign for Liberty.org. Doing a phenomenal job, as always. It's the big old bait and switch going on, ladies and gentlemen. we got to make sure you're aware of this reality check, Lowell. Right. Uh, article by Jordan uh, Skatchel. Uh, posted on Ron Paul Institute org last Wednesday. RonPaulInstitute.org. Uh, he mentions a very important but little-known fact. Uh, most people miss this today, but it's this. There is no FDA-approved COVID vaccine available in the U.S. today, and there are no plans to make one available anytime soon. Now, this may came, come as a shock to some of you, although our listeners, your listeners, Sam, Liberty Roundtable, uh, are probably onto this already. But if you're not, then you need to know this, this important fact. It is 100% true. There is no FDA-approved COVID vaccine available in the U.S. today. Now, what did the FDA approve uh, last year, August 23rd? We can talk about last year now because we're in 2022 already. Last year, on August 23rd, the FDA approved a COVID-19 vaccine from Pfizer called Comirnaty. Comirnaty. Now, Biden and many other of the state governors used this endorsement to coerce millions of people into getting the jab, right, taking the clot shot. Well, this product, Comirnaty, was fully authorized for, quote, the prevention of COVID-19 disease in individuals 16 years of age and older, end of quote. Notice that qualifier on there, 16 years of age and older. And yet, Comirnaty itself cannot be found in the United States. Now, that that, that qualifier on there, 16 years of age and older, is an important qualifier, and we will see why in just a moment. There is a separate product from Pfizer, which uh, has what they call emergency use authorization. It's EUA, right? Emergency use authorization product. It's the only Pfizer shot available in the United States. Now, early on, they explained that the UEA and I'm sorry, the EUA shot was, was lining the shelves, and, but that community would be soon uh, available. But here it is now, four months later, and community is still not available. It is, quote, not orderable at this time, end quote, to quote the CDC. Well, why not? Why didn't the FDA approve the EUA vaccine? Well, it's because Pfizer did not want it approved. <laughs> now, your mouth is open at this point. You're saying, what? Well, that's true. Pfizer did not want that, that emergency use authorization vaccine to be approved because doing so would likely open up Pfizer and BioNTech to legal liability issues. They are not legally liable for an EUA product, but they are for a product that has not been authorized for all ages. Interesting, right? So the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, the NCVIA, which was passed into law in 1986, it provides legal liability uh, for drug manufacturers if they receive full authorization for that vaccine for all ages. But the community product has not been approved yet for children. And so and until the FDA approves the children's version of the community shot, it will not be made available in the U.S. And so now you know why that Pfizer, Moderna, and other 
drug manufacturers are working relentlessly to authorize their products for children who face near zero risk from, from COVID-19, but continue to showcase alarming side effects from the vaccine. So putting this another way, if community was available for adults in the United States, you, uh, Americans would be able to sue Pfizer for vaccine injury. And like there's over 21,000 deaths, right, from the COVID-19 vaccine. And if, if, if community were available for adults in the United States, then Americans here in the U.S. would be able to sue Pfizer for these vaccine injuries. Now, the fact checkers, Sam, they'll tell you that community is available in the U.S., but it is simply not true. It is not available in the U.S. Nobody uh, in the United States is receiving the legally distinct, fully authorized shot because that shot makes Big Pharma and the corrupt regulators more legally vulnerable than they want to be. Sam, and that now, ladies and gentlemen, that means that Anthony Fauci, Joe Biden, and all the rest of these clowns are literally committing fraud okay we call it a bait and switch or whatever else but the fact is for them to lie uh, and to use these games to avoid legal liability for the vaccine companies providing unconstitutional illegal protection is flat out fraud on the people with death as the consequence for literally if you believe the virus database it's 21,000 plus with over a million adverse reactions. But if you believe the research that's been done, they say it's at least 20 times that. That means you've got 800,000 deaths from the COVID, which now Anthony Fauci and others are admitting the numbers are all bogus. And then you've got 400,000 plus deaths from the vaccines. Ladies and gentlemen, they're adding insult to injury by bait and switch fraud. And we need to basically arrest these criminals for their dishonesty and their immorality. They know it, and you can prove that it's fraud. Fraud's a pretty high bar, Lowell, but you can prove it's fraud because they're not just uh, by accident doing this. This is intentional and proven so with this bait and switch, Lowell. Absolutely right, Sam. And, you know, for weeks I was wondering, why in the world are they trying so hard to get a vaccine approved for children? Right? I mean, because children were not affected by COVID-19, this respiratory illness, doesn't affect children. I mean, it's statistically insignificant to a number of people, maybe one or two. And yet they continue to push and push and push to get this thing approved for children. Didn't make any sense until, until I realized that this, until I read this article here uh, posted on Ron Paul Institute, and then it all made sense. Now I understand why they wanted to prove for children, because if they can get their product approved for children, then that product will fall under the legal liability shield uh, provided by the uh, that, that na National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986. And then the people will not be able to sue Big Pharma for those uh, COVID-19 vaccines. That's why they're pushing for that that uh, the childhood vaccine they wanted they wanted to make it available for babies this this blood clotting shot that's killing people right and left and uh, and that's why it all makes we sense we got to expose them we got to expose them we got to stand against it we got to let you know what's really going on the truth shall set us free 
Now, this does, though, uh, really indicate the awful situation to which we find ourselves in, ladies and gentlemen. John and Nisha Whitehead, well-known liberty-loving Americans, provide a year in review for 2021 that's pretty dire, lol. It is, Sam. I've only picked out half a dozen points that they made in their article. You can read the, the full article at ronpaulinstitute.org. But um, they're talking about, like, disgruntled mobs, right, martial law, populists under house arrest. And he's describing us right here in the United States, a techno-corporate state shielding, or, sorry, wielding its power to immobilize huge swaths of the country. A constitution in tatters, he says. Between the riots, the lockdowns, the political theater, and the COVID-19 mandates, 2021 was one for the history books, he, he writes. And then he itemizes events of the last year, 2021, noting, um, I mean, the, the events of the year is worth noting as, as, as inimical to, to liberty, you know, bad on liberty. Well, I've chosen to mention just two or three or four of them, Sam. Riots, martial law, the deep state coup on January 6th, right? FBI and other agents undercover led people into the Capitol building and then framed them. I just don't know how, how else to, to express that or to describe what happened at the Capitol on January 6th of 21. But it was a framing job, and now dozens and dozens, hundreds actually, people are still in prison uh, for simply being present there on the Capitol, in the Capitol, on the Capitol grounds. And, uh, and, 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 and because of that event, however, see, it gave them the excuse to place the Capitol under military lockdown to restrict online speech and to, uh, you know, investigate and shame individuals who were there that day. Um, the, the military occupation of the nation's capital by 25,000 troops as part of the so-called peaceful transfer of power was little more than martial law disguised as national security. So that's one point he makes. <clears throat> what about the... the uh, the, surve the surveillance state. On any given day, the average American going about his daily business gets monitored, surveilled, and spied on track in more than 20 different ways by government and corporate eyes and ears, Sam. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a lot to deal with in 2022, but take courage. We'll talk about it in seconds with Lil Nelson on your radio. If the COVID-19 shot is safe and effective, then why are 20% of healthcare workers refusing to get it? If the COVID-19 injection is safe and effective, then why is big tech silencing anyone who opposes it? If the COVID injection is safe and effective, then why is our federal government's reporting system recording over 14,000 deaths from the vaccine and an additional 650,000 plus serious adverse reactions. If the COVID shot is safe and effective, then why did Dr. Gert Vandenbosch, recognized as one of the world's chief vaccine experts, risk his entire career and his reputation to plead with the medical community to immediately halt all COVID-19 vaccinations, calling mass COVID vaccinations an uncontrollable monster? Doesn't sound very safe and effective. Maybe it's time to call a spade a spade. At no time in history have the people forcing others into compliance been the good guys. Paid for by Ammon Bundy for governor. VoteBundy.com. 
Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man, but by God. The Foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the year 2021 in review. Madness, mayhem, and tyranny. John and Nisha Whitehead break this down for us. Man, it's dismal looking. And uh, I realize that we're in a very tough time in America, and it looks like the tyrannical folks are just on a bender. I understand all that, but I also understand God's in charge, uh, and I want you to take courage. Um any other real information from uh, the negative side of it before we get to these incredible quotes from our founders, Lowell? No, I just wanted to highlight the, 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 the bad picture or the, you know, the discouraging picture first, um, you know, with, with, which the Whiteheads have done so very well in this uh, article posted at ronpaulinstitute.org. I'll just hit the, the first few words of each paragraph. Uh, we have an imperial president. We have a surveillance state. We have a new war on terror, basically the war on domestic terrorists. That's you and me, basically. We got culture wars. We got bodily integrity as, as big issues. And, and so, bottom line, Sam, I mean, you can read this whole article, and 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 you you and and Whitehead paint a very grave, sobering picture. I, I do think it's fairly accurate. Um, but there is hope, and that's why, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm And so here's the bottom line on the negative side. Yeah. Between the riots, the lockdowns, the political theater, the COVID-19 mandates, 2021 was one for the history books. I know you said that, but I wanted to repeat that line because it really shows uh, how dire it really is. And they're really ready to use climate change against us all, too, uh, coming up. So it's looking rough indeed, but there is hope. Believe it or not, Michael Bolden uh, lays this out quite nicely. Very much so. He posted um, uh, just on the last on the last Friday, the last day of twenty one. He posted this article with uh, ten liberty minded quotes from the framers, the founders of our country. Now I'm going to repeat just several of them this morning, Sam. You can get them all at tenthamendmentcenter.com. But uh, he, he writes this, and, you know, I, I, don't, I, I, I can't remember this in Common Sense, but in the appendix to Common Sense, written by Thomas Paine and first published on January 10th of 1776, he wrote about the birthday of a new world and gave us a timeless reminder that fits today, every single day of the year, actually. He says, he says we, uh, this is what Thomas Paine wrote. He says, quote, we have it in our power. To begin the world over again, end of quote. (laughs) 
We have it in our power to begin the world over again. That's what he wrote in 1776. And look at the dire situation in which he lived. You look at the, the colonial um, the, 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 the colonial states at that era of our, of our country's period, and they were under the iron fist of the biggest hegemonic nation in the world, right? The, 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 the Great Britain, King George III, he ruled, he is the biggest country in the world, right? He ruled all the, the whole planet, basically. Here it is, these fledgling little guys. The shot heard around the world, 1775, had been shot already. And this was the following January, right? And, and they were in war with the, the greatest country, most powerful country in the world. And here is Thomas Paine saying, we have it in our power to begin the world over again. <laughs> Pretty bold, Sam. Pretty bold. And here comes uh, three other uh, people I want to quote. Mercy Otis Warren, she said in, in 1788, she said, resist the first approaches of tyranny. Thomas Jefferson said in 1774, a free people claim their rights as derived from the laws of nature and not as the gift of their chief magistrate. In other words, our rights come from God, not from the government. And then finally, three quotes from Samuel Adams, uh, the father of our revolution, basically. He said in 1771, quote, all might be free if they valued freedom and defended it as they ought. Wow. That's amazing to think about that quote, Sam, because you look at us, we're in and bondage. It, and it, hold on, Walt, and it just yeah. shows, though, how, in my opinion, it just shows how they changed hearts and minds with the power of the pen back yeah. in the day and how that can happen to us now if we but give it credence, if we but pay attention, if we but read, ponder, and then take courage, Lowell. Absolutely right, Sam. He also, and you, but you're his namesake, Samuel Adams. We got Samuel Adams in 1771. We got Sam Bushman here in 2022, right? So Sam Adams said also, the liberties of our country, the freedom of our civil constitution are worth defending at all hazards. And it is our duty to defend them against all attacks. And then he also said this, quote, instead of sitting down satisfied with the efforts we've already made, which is the wish of our enemies, the necessity of the times more than ever call for our utmost circumspection, deliberation, fortitude, and perseverance, end of quote. Talking about hopeful statements. This is so awesome, Sam. It's beyond hopeful, ladies and gentlemen. It is the key to the solution. Okay? So it's hope if we just read it and go, wow, that's really cool. But it's beyond hope if we really understand our role our responsibility okay that's important to understand in my view we have the power or we have it in our power to begin the world over again we the people have the power and here's what the best part is you can say there's other countries ahead of us in terms of liberty on the liberty quotient if you will but remember we have the seeds in our very supreme law that we can return to what made us great, that we can go back to the principles that our founders used to create the greatest country on the face of the earth, whether it be economic, the free enterprise system, whether it be morality in the people, we have it in our power to go back. Other nations don't have it so easy, lol. And that's really, in my opinion, uh, the first gain the hope from what you read and understand and learn, 
and then to get up and do something about it, sir. Exactly right, Sam. We do have a greater ability in our country today to effect change, to effect political change and cultural change than any other country in the world, any other country on the planet right now because of our institutions. The institutions of liberty that were put into place by the founders, by the framers, such as voting, right? Being able to choose our, 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 our public servants by election. I mean, that's an incredible uh, freedom that we have. Uh, the, the freedom uh, against being, you know, searched and, and, and our property seized without due process. I mean, these institutions are incredible. And we have them at our disposal right now. We should not be sitting around, you know, watching TV all day long and while our nation crumbles around us. And, and that's why this, this last story, Sam, really caused me to pause as I read about it last night, uh, about Russia being the last remaining Christian country. Well, why does Paul Craig Roberts write a column with that title? This column was posted at lourockwell.com last week. Russia is the last remaining Christian country. Well, he wrote that because Russian President Putin said this. He said, quote, a woman is a woman and a man is a man. <laughs> End of quote. Well, what have we got here in the U.S.? We got women pretending to be men. We got men pretending to be women. And everybody thinks that's okay. And, you know, <laughs> the left thinks that's, they think that, that's fine. And government thinks that's fine. We don't have a a Utah legislature with enough backbone to, to make it, uh, you know, to outlaw that type of behavior, right? The doctors, uh, doctors are, are busy administering hormones to, to little girls to make them into men and, and administering hormones and, and even, you know, surgical operations to make little boys into to women, right? We don't have the moral, the fiber, the moral backbone anymore to outlaw that type of of, uh, of behavior. And so when Putin says in his country that a woman is a woman and a man is a man, yeah, that's significant. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so I, I shout hooray because Putin has the courage to, to call a spade a spade. Yes, a woman is a woman and a man is a man. And I'm happy for him. I'm happy for his country that they believe that, that they still believe in God. We need to do that, folks. We need to, 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 to re, uh, do that here, right? I mean, Montesquieu said, America is great because America is good. And America will cease to be great when she ceases to be good. And so collectively speaking, that's the big contrast. We have an America today that has ceased to be great because she has ceased to be good. She doesn't call a woman a woman anymore. We, we, we let people choose their own identity, their own gender. If a, if a guy wants to, to race in women's races, he just calls himself a woman and starts taking hormones you know, to change himself. He's denying his very being, denying the gift of a body that he obtained from his God. But he doesn't take too many hormones because he might get weaker, so he remains a man and strong, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You don't take too yeah. many hormones, just enough to declare you're a woman. Yeah. And get yeah, away and with then, kind of an idea. And, and we don't have a legislature in Utah that will 
that will outlaw that practice of, of young men competing with the young ladies in, in women's sports. You know, Idaho outlawed it. Why doesn't Utah? Where is this, the moral fiber, the moral courage in our state to do that here? Um, and, and what about your state, wherever you live, California, Texas, Minnesota, Oklahoma, where, where, wherever you live, what does your legislature say about these moral issues, right? Monuments are disappearing in Virginia, right? Utah is just as weak as Virginia, right? When Virginia's governor ordered the removal and destruction of the statue of Robert E. Lee, well, right here in Utah, most Utah legislators voted to change the name of Dixie State University to something without the word Dixie in it. And shame Why? on them for doing so, ladies and gentlemen. Erasing our past does not help us avoid the mistakes of the past, right? Erasure of the monuments, erasure of our memories is the aim of critical race theorists today. They want us to forget our past. They want history to be rewritten from 1970s and 80s on. They don't want us to remember our past because then they can enforce a godless society. That's the real game plan here. Truly, we are witnessing the crumbling of our country, Lowell. Yeah. And you said it on this program many, many times before, Sam. The attack on Christianity is the end game. Right? That's the, that's the game that these folks are playing right here, right now, and we are witnessing it today. And our failure to worship the God who inspired the founders and the framers, that is our downfall. Sam, we need honest men and women at every level of government to hold our public servants accountable to God and to the Constitution they swore an oath to defend. That's the bottom line, Sam. Amen to that, ladies and gentlemen. I feel like Lil Nelson's a Baptist preacher, and I'm just sitting back going, amen. Heard that. (laughs) Right on. That's what we need, ladies and gentlemen, a return to what made America great, which is we turn to God Almighty, the author of our liberty. Nothing will take place in terms of restoration without morality in the people. Our nation is for a religious and a moral people. Never forget it. Lowell Nelson, thank you so much for your preparation, for all that you do for the sacred cause of liberty. God bless you and your family. Happy New Year. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, understand Lowell and all the work that he does um, at ronpaulinstitute.org and campaignforliberty.org. They're doing a phenomenal job. For Sam and Lowell, God save the republic. Atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I was refused to use, no doubt, continues. I am Sam Bushman. This is Liberty Roundtable Live for January the third in the year of our Lord 2022. This is our two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, the checks and balances are brilliant. Put in place by the founding fathers, one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips, and as you know, we reject 
revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. It is about God, family, country, ladies and gentlemen. we got to have morality in the people. Without it, we're in trouble. And I emailed a guy, and I told him about that. And I said, you know, I understand people want to work on vote fraud and a lot of other different things, but I believe those are the kind of the cause and the effect discussion. The vote fraud is just the effects of immorality in the people. And he wrote back and he said, I agree, but morality is just kind of a given. And I replied back and said, if it's just a given, then, man, why don't we have it going on? Answer is it's not a given, and we've got to continually focus on morality and religion, the two fundamental pillars of support for free people. Without it, you will not be free. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you're all doing absolutely fantastic. The good doctor, via miracles, is with us once again, Dr. Scott Bradley, freedomsrisingsun.com. His whole lifelong goal has been to preserve the nation, and he preaches liberty every chance he gets welcome to the broadcast sir well thank you very much you know i've got this uh, aphorism you know never pass up an open microphone when you can speak on behalf of the cause of liberty so i appreciate the opportunity to uh, kind of exercise that privilege as we get together a couple times a week you know you talk about the moral morality issue uh, chapter nine of my book to preserve the nation is um, titled the moral um, the moral imperative and uh, so what i did is i started my book with the spiritual foundation that's chapter one uh, of the nation and we talk about the focus of those that were the original you know those that came you know we talk about the mayflower compact and how it begins with the words in the name of god amen it was a it was a covenant between god and the people we come through that in chapter one, but we get to chapter nine, and I, it's important enough, in my opinion, that we, we reemphasize that spirituality and the, the moral character of the nation. I put it in the middle of my book. And so the chapter nine is titled The Moral Imperative. And, and in that, we review the words of the founders about the importance of morality in the nation and maintaining liberty. And if we lose our morality, uh, we become a very base and uh, we lose our mooring, we lose our um, direction, our, you know, we've lost our compass, if you will, and we become that uh, ship at the sea that's tossed about by every doctrine that comes down the, the pike. And, and uh, sadly, our, all those that, uh, that sit in the highest levels of office oftentimes reflect that amoral uh, perspective to the point that that. that we no longer even give that consideration. You know, people say, oh, you can't legislate morality. My perspective is, is if a law does not have a moral basis, we probably ought to revisit that law. You know, if there's not but, something... But, but let me be very clear. Just because laws have moral basis, just because laws have the truth of God Almighty running through them, that doesn't mean that you're legislating morality either. That's a fundamental uh, logic, or I'm, I'm sorry, a la lapse in logic flaw in the debate in the discussion we're not trying to legislate morality however the morality ought to be reflected in all that we do god's law should be man's law is the point well absolutely and in fact as we've talked upon many times as we've got together on our little chats um all the founding fathers i i cannot think of one that did not diligently study you know, the, the writings of Locke, the writings of uh, Montesquieu, the writings of Blackstone, 
uh, and those guys kind of came in sequence as the mentors, if you will, to the American founding fathers. In the first volume of Blackstone's uh, Commentaries on the Law, um, it, it originally it was in four volumes, and nowadays you'll find it in one or two, but his original format was four volumes. In the first volume of Blackstone's Commentaries, he talks about the absolute imperative as well as the overarching, uh, shall we say, paramount nature of God's laws. And, and he uh, states that, that all law should be based upon that. And in fact, it's, it's a law that applies all across all nations in the whole world. And if man's law at any time ever violates that decreed by God, then it's of no force and effect anywhere. And so, I mean, it was that fundamental in their perspective. Now you say, well, what does that mean? Well, we'll look at thou shalt not steal. You know, thou shalt not commit adultery. You know, bear false witness. I mean, those kinds of things were fundamental to a successful society. I mean, and, and when you read you know, constantly, you read about the welfare, you know, the, the general welfare of the people. It's in, you know, the uh, preamble of the Constitution. It's in Article 1, Section 8 about the general welfare. People say, oh, see, 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 we redistribute wealth for the good of the society. No, that isn't what it meant in those days. It was a safe, predictable Society and good government is what they were talking about. Good government prevents, you know, the the issues of invasion. It prevents uh, civil unrest because justice is administered in the courts. It prevents the idea of economic um, upheaval because they have a sound money system. Those kinds of things is what the founding fathers were trying to implement in this great nation. Had nothing to do with redistribution of wealth or the dole or anything like that, but good government is founded upon a moral people, and I, you know, my, like I say, chapter nine reviews that quite extensively, and about virtue is necessary for a nation. And Washington talked about that in his his uh, first inaugural address. He talked about it in his in his farewell address. I mean, this was this was something that was woven inextricably into the. The concept of government the American founding fathers came up with, and it's interesting that everything has been perverted today, to the point that you know people say, "Oh, First Amendment," uh, you know, government has to be adversarial to to uh, religion, and uh, you know we can talk at some length if you wish, how we can prove that with one single instance. Uh, that, that demonstrates the original intent of the American founding fathers. Let's do when, it because when, I think it's critical ladies and gentlemen, to understand this. This isn't something that we can escape or something we should you know, pass over lightly. This, in my opinion, is the key to understanding. And with that understanding, with that knowledge, then we can put solutions to the problems we face in place. Without it, there are no solutions. There are no, as the, doctor good, the good doctor said, there are no compasses pointing true north. We've got to point to God and God's law. Uh, because that was the genius of America, that man's law would mirror God's law. That was the intent of the founders, Doctor. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's our polar star, if you think about it. I mean, we, we say, oh, yeah, you, you, got a, uh, a, you can find true north, if you will. The, the fact of the matter, and, and don't get me started about how the north star can be used with the dippers uh, to tell time. And it tells us that... Uh, <laughs> Daylight savings time violates God's law, but well, let's not go down that path right now, because because God's time uh, clock in the heavens 
is based upon what we always call standard time. But let's let's go to our polar star, if you will. Um, back at the end of September of 1789, the uh, Congress put together what became the Bill of Rights. They they after sorting through all of the suggested amendments and everything, they passed with the two-thirds margin required, 12 proposed amendments. They sent them forward to the states for ratification. By December of, of uh, 1791, 10 of them had been ratified, became what we call the, the Bill of Rights. What was the third one that was passed at the end of, of September 1789 became our First Amendment, because the first two did not get ratified. One was later ratified 200 years later, and the other one's still out there floating around. But the fact of the matter is, what well, became our First Amendment had this thing about, you know, religion in it. And it's been interpreted by so many humanists today that that, that means that religion and government can't be mixed. But that is, nothing could be farther from the truth, because the very, very, very same day that Congress passed that proposed amendment, they passed a resolution that George Washington declare a day of fasting and prayer to recognize the hand of God in the establishment of the nation and our dependence upon God. I mean, the very same individuals, they were guys, that passed that amendment that became the First Amendment that is now being interpreted as an adversarial relationship between God and, and government, said, okay, President, now you need to pass, or at least proclaim, set forth a proclamation uh, proclaiming a day of fasting and prayer for the nation to recognize the hand of God and his um, involvement in the nation and, and his importance in the nation. So both House and the Senate passed that. He just pre uh, presented to Washington. On the 3rd of October in 1789, Washington sent forth his Thanksgiving proclamation to the nation. So here we have those that originally said, okay, this is what this religion amendment is about, said, we're going to recognize the hand of God in the nation. So that very single solitary issue, that single event, I think overrides all of the other nonsense that is being proposed today about this adversarial relationship. Ladies so and gentlemen, we're talking about Chapter 9 of Dr. Scott Bradley's book, To Preserve the Nation. Chapter 9 is called The Moral Imperative. And I want to talk more about this moral imperative so that we understand uh, we'll get back and do so in seconds with a good doctor on your radio the spirit of the american west is live and well in range magazine the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the american west each issue contains informative articles breathtaking imagery as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today and gift ideas like the 2021 real buckaroo calendar order online from rangemagazine.com loving liberty network salutes the spirit of the american west at rangemagazine.com decades after jimmy carter joe biden picked up where he left off with america surrendering to terrorists Biden's foolish spending is causing inflation, which means more pain at the pump, higher prices on groceries, devaluing your retirement savings when you need it most. Once was a mistake, twice is a disaster. America needs strong leaders, not weak ones. 
Save America JFC is responsible for the content of this advertising. Mom, you don't know anything about me anymore. <sighs> Honey, I know you're good at math. You don't like English. I know Ryan smiled at you yesterday at school. I know your favorite color is purple. And I know you don't like mushrooms. And who can blame you? I mean, mushrooms are a fungus, and people generally try to avoid funguses. Or is it fungi? I'm never quite sure. But, you know, either way, I mean, penicillin is good. Penicillin is a mold. Huh. Well, I, I guess you're right. So you like penicillin, but not mushrooms. <laughs> no matter what you talk about, love is what they'll hear. Mom, mm. if we talk, will you be quiet? Love to. A thought from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Visit us at mormon.org. Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Dr. Scott Bradley about his incredible book, To Preserve the Nation. We're discussing specifically Chapter 9, The Moral Imperative. And I want to drill into those words a little bit, The Moral Imperative, because I think this is really important to understand. The Moral Imperative has a lot of components to it. In other words, it's a very broad topic. But it has real focus for you and I, and that is this. You know what? Every issue does not have the same moral weight or equivalent. Okay, thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not kill might be a great example. It's wrong to do either, but it's worse to kill than to steal. Uh, your reasons for stealing as well may uh, relate. If you steal for uh, fun or for gain, it's one thing. If you steal because you're starving, uh, it's another thing. These moral imperatives are critical to understand as we navigate modern society and all the conflicting realities and values and, and all the manipulations by dishonest, immoral people uh, become the order of the day, Dr. Bradley. This moral imperative helps you prioritize and understand who we are in relation to our maker and what laws govern the universe and how we ought to behave in relation uh, to the knowledge we gain through the moral imperative, sir. Is that a good place to start? Well, sure. I, you know, really, we, we're not talking about just the book. I mean, this is not a pitch. What it, what it really has to do with what I try to do, and, and to greater or lesser effect, I, I tried to capture the foundational concepts that were put forth as the nation originated. And, and if we understand those, and we understand how sweet and simple and straightforward they are, and we understand the desirable outcomes that come from that, we hopefully will be able to retrace those steps back to that original intent. And so, you know, the, the whole book is filled with, with issues. I mean, whether it's war or economics, I mean, you, you, you can talk about almost any subject, and, and virtually all of them, virtually all of them, have been abandoned by modern American politicians and society. I mean, we, you, you look at you know, marriage and, and childbearing, they're not even related anymore, you know? I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, the idea of, of honest integrity and leadership, you know, private virtue and public virtue and all those kind of things, all of those are talked about at some length in, in my book. And so this isn't a pitch about my book. It's a pitch 
about returning to the things that made this the greatest, freest, strongest, most happy, most prosperous, most respected nation in the world. And, and, and we've fallen from that lofty position, and, and we've become kind of a, a nation that, you know, I could tell you story after story about places I've spoken and exchanges I've had where there's been discussion with people, for example, with, in, in other countries that, that have talked about how the nation once was held on such a high pedestal. And now we seem to be the pointy end of the spirit implementing, you know, the the crudeness of the new world order, if you will, the the uh, repositioning of of power. And the United States is is exercising its strength against other nations for these things. We have become a bully, if you will, the pointy end of the spear. But uh, be that as it may, we've we've abandoned almost everything, and this moral imperative. Is, is central, it's foundational to what we've got to go back to. We've got to recognize the hand of God, not only in our nation, but in our lives. And it's like Washington said in his his uh, original inaugural address, he talked about how public and private virtue would be the imperative in his in his administration, and it was. And, and I've got quotations in the book, for example, about he never, ever, ever wanted to violate his oath of office to uphold the United States Constitution because it was a moral foundation uh, about the limits and bounds of government. And if he overstepped that, he'd be violating that morality, you know. So, yeah, you're right. This this moral thing is is central to us, you know, kind of hanging on to what our nation really is. And we could talk about how the Sabbath day plays into that. I mean, we could, uh, because truly they, they really considered themselves to be a modern-day Israel. And, and it's a far cry from... The state of Israel today—it's a—it's a covenant people that is, you know, Old Testament origins, if you will, uh, where God chose Jacob's sons, the, the twelve tribes of Jacob, if you will, as a co- chosen people to be able to go forward. Now, by the way, we could go back further into the, you know, the twelfth chapter of Genesis and talk about how Abraham got a promise, and then in—it's—it's it's, a lot of people aren't aware. That in the you know Abraham got a promise that his his seed would be mighty nations and bless the worlds of the, uh, the the nations of the world, but in the 21st chapter of Genesis, Hagar, the uh, woman that that gave Abraham Isaac, I mean not Isaac Ishmael, um, her son was promised to be a great nation and a covenant people. And nowadays, people don't even recognize the Arab nations as being such. It is so interesting how God has put his hand upon nations and how we've strayed from that. And, and we can talk about that at some length, too. But, but at any rate, I, I, I go far afield. I start pulling on strings, and it's so exciting to me how everything's woven together. The tapestry that God has woven on this land is so beautiful. And, and we're in the midst of it now, and we hardly even recognize the beauty of it. But if we will restore it and renew it and embrace it, oh, it would be so wonderful again, instead of the debauched view of what government has become in, in the modern world, you know? So, uh, Sam, I better look back to you because, you know what, I could pull on any one of these strings and we could use up the rest of the program and never cover well, what you want. I'll tell you where I want to go. I want to talk a little bit more about the Sabbath day, 
because really all the other ones relate to the Sabbath day in some way or another. If you don't take time out, the only thing you can give God is your time. You don't have money to give him. You don't have anything else to give him, but you can give him your time. Uh, and if, if, if you give the Lord your time and you make the Sabbath day uh, a delight, you make the Sabbath day a focus, it becomes an outward symbol of your inward commitment. And, and I know people are kind of like, well, the Sabbath day, I mean, I get it, sure, but they don't really get it. They go shopping. They use it as just another day. Uh, they use it as a day of entertainment, more blood, blood, bread, and circus and everything else. And But this covenant day, though, is an outward, weekly, consistent manifestation of an inward commitment, a covenant, a token with God Almighty. Uh, and I submit to you that if we want to go back, if we want to receive the blessings that God has for us, I'm not saying the other commandments don't matter. That's not my point. My point is that the Sabbath day is one that is as blatant as it gets. If you can't give 24 hours or one day and seven to God, what will you give him? If you can't give him your you time, know, what can you offer him, doctor? You know, I'm afraid we're going to have to carry this over to the next segment if we're going to really That's cover just it. perfect. You know, if you look at, you know, the Ten Commandments, on the Sabbath day to keep it holy. If you look in, let's just take Ezekiel chapter 20, you'll read, where it was a sign of the covenant between God and his people. And and if, in fact, you obeyed and honored and kept the Sabbath day holy, that was your symbol, if you will, that, that you were still going to be his people. If you look at the 25th chapter of Leviticus, for example, uh, you find, and that's where the, the Liberty Bell uh, proclamation, you know, proclaim liberty throughout all the land. That that goes into the Sabbath and, and the Sabbath of Sabbaths, and and all of the things that are associated with with uh, honoring the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. And you look at the end of the second uh, second Chronicles, you'll find that that's why Israel was taken captive by by Babylon and held in captivity for seventy years because the land had not been given its Sabbath day. And, and really what has happened, sad, sadly, in America, largely, it's, it's not always true. Because, and I've seen fine examples of how what I'm going to say is not true. But oftentimes we do tend to make the Sabbath a holiday instead of a holy day. And, and it's, it's not dreary. You know, the, in, in the time of Christ, the Sabbath had been kind of uh, strangled by accoutrements of of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the hierarchical Jewish perspective about I mean, you can only walk so many steps and you can't kindle a fire and you can't walk on grass because you might be harvesting the seeds. I mean, come on. The Sabbath was made so that we might be able to be benefited by it, not burdened down with weird and strange you know, limitations and constraints. It was not a mockery. It was not a mockery based on the letter of the law, jaunt and tittle. It was a spirit of the law, covenant between God and man, an outward symbolization of an inward commitment. The Sabbath was supposed to be a delight, not a plague. And it's a delight when you do the things that are godly on the Sabbath and follow him. We'll talk about it more on the other side because this is critical if we're going to Restore the Republic. I am Sam Bushman. Dr. Scott Bradley with me. To preserve the nation is his goal. Amen to that.
Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Wendy King. Thousands of victims from last week's massive wildfire just northwest of Denver are struggling to cope with the loss of everything they own. Colorado Governor Jared Polis. Nothing can be harder losing everything you have, not just a house but a home. Uh, And what comes next for you, for your family? Um, There's a lot of soul-searching and decisions you'll be making along the way. The fire destroyed about a 1,000 homes and damaged hundreds more. At this time, two people are still missing. An investigation is ongoing into what started the fire. Severe weather ravaged parts of the south overnight. High wind damaged some homes, blew down trees, and knocked out power. The storms followed a system on New Year's Day that brought a tornado and serious flooding to Kentucky. This is USA Radio News. Hi, I'm Wayne Alaroot for Patriot VPN. Patriot VPN is a virtual private network service that uses military-grade encryption to protect your Internet connection on all of your devices. With Patriot VPN, your data and Internet privacy is secure anywhere in the world. Why do you need Patriot VPN? Cyber criminals, government, even your own Internet service provider collect and use your private information without your knowledge. Examples in the news recently, remember all the companies that have been hacked? Cuba censored the Internet to kill protests? Here in America, conservative groups are being actively targeted. Your personal information and Internet history is being sold by your ISP. It's all happening every day, but not with Patriot VPN. With Patriot VPN, your Internet activity and history is protected from prying eyes forever. Patriot VPN is a veteran-owned business right here in the USA. For business or your family, starting at only $6.95 a month, use code WAR and get three months free. With an annual subscription, it's all at PatriotVPN.com. That's PatriotVPN.com. At least 2,000 flights have been canceled and delayed over the New Year's weekend because of winter storms in the Midwest and a reduction of workforce caused by the COVID-19 pandemic. Many of the cancellations began on Christmas Eve. Southwest Airlines, Delta Airlines, JetBlue Airways, American Air, and United are all among the country's largest. Each had more than 100 flights canceled. Southwest had more than 950 flight delays, the most of any airline. A large fire caused significant damage to buildings in South Africa's parliament complex in Cape Town. A 51-year-old man had been taken into custody for questioning in connection with the fire, which destroyed the chamber of the National Assembly. South African President Cyril Ramaphosa visited the scene of the fire. He said it was devastating news just after the death of Archbishop Desmond Tutu. You're listening to USA Radio News. Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable. Ladies and gentlemen, in this conversation with Dr. Scott Bradley, talking about Chapter 9 of his book called The Moral Imperative, ladies and gentlemen, the book to to preserve the nation. And as Dr. Bradley said, it's not about his book. It's really about proclaiming liberty, tying it to keeping the Sabbath day holy. And before we turn it back over to Dr. Bradley, I just want to mention that I'm reminded of uh, George Washington's Thanksgiving Proclamation of 1789. Okay, by the President of the United States, which was General George Washington. 
whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection in favor, and as whereas both houses of Congress, by their joint committee, have requested to be recommended to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Anyway, then he goes on. But I, how many times does he mention God there and gratitude? And he really highlights this a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed. We're proposing keep the Sabbath day holy for that kind of attitude to be your keep the Sabbath day holy reality check. Anyway, I'm reminded of that because literally the president leaving, the first president uh, in his, you know, in his uh, Thanksgiving proclamation, that's what he puts forth, Dr. Bradley. And I think he really highlights what we're talking about. Well, absolutely. And, and uh, we give lots of examples of where the, the nation sought God's great blessings in the obtaining of liberty. I mean, you know, the, the Declaration of Independence speaks of uh, deity four times. Um, during the Revolution, there was a great many days of fasting and prayer declared by uh, state legislatures, if you will. And, um, and there were many that you know, would say, oh, no, no, it's the deist. Uh, Thomas Jefferson would oppose this. No, no, Jeff Jefferson was at the very forefront of that. Jefferson, in fact, uh, his, his Religious Liberties Act in Virginia passed in 1786. He'd been kind of blowing on those embers for a long time to get that passed. They recognized uh, the right to be able to worship and, and to not be imposed upon by government. You look at the, the uh, Northwest Ordinance of 1787, which was repassed in 1789 after the Constitution was ratified, but basically said that religion and morality were essential to good government. Uh, you look at uh, what Jefferson, no, excuse me, uh, Madison said in the 37th Federalist Paper about the hand of God being upon the convention as they wrote the Constitution. I mean, again, inaugural addresses, farewell addresses, addresses that are given throughout the uh, founding era recognize the hand of God, and, and this was not lip service. This was a recognition that, hey, wait a minute, we're a little dusty backwater upstart colony, set of, you know, group of colonies, and here we are fighting against the most powerful nation on earth at this time. How the heck are we going to win if we don't have the hand of God? George Washington put out general orders at times about his troops supplicating God. And, and this has been our heritage, and, and we've forgotten that. We've largely abandoned it. The, the history, historians of the day, the revisionists, that are rewriting our history in favor of, you know, <laughs> critical race theory and the 1619 Project and all those kind of nonsensical things that are no way, shape, or form any, any relation to what this nation was established on. Uh, it, it's just a travesty and a tragedy. And, and what I remember, I'm old enough to, we used to have uh, prayer in class. 
every morning when we started school. I mean, I went to a public school, and, uh, you know, it, it, it was interesting. I mean, you know, people say, oh, no, 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 we can't have that. I mean, people will be, uh, you know, prejudiced against them. And in my mind, it was a, a great cultural uh, sharing time. I mean, if a Catholic kid said it this way and a Jewish kid said it that way and a Methodist kid said it that way and a Mormon kid said it that way, it, you know, it was like, hey, so that's how the Mormons pray, you know. But uh, but nowadays it's, oh, no, the, the Supreme Court, without any precedent, without any justification, uh, they suddenly, the beginning of the And 60s, hold on, let's be clear, without any real authority, sir. They don't have authority to change the affairs like that. That is not within the purview of what we, the consent of the governed, gave them as guidance. That's not in their jurisdiction or responsibility. They acted without authority. They were criminals in their, in their doings of this. There's no question about that. The Supreme Court has been and continues to be largely a criminal operation that has uh, abandoned, and they justify and rationalize. And, and sometimes if you hold your mouth just right and you go in and uh, there's some wheedling word way that things can be uh, done, there's, you know, the damage is minimized on some cases. Let's put it that way. But by and large, the Supreme Court is vastly overstepped and become the adjudicator of all things. You know, we got nine unelected justices, and when you get five of them that vote together, you can abandon almost everything. I mean, look, we're coming up on the 49th anniversary of Roe v. Wade. I mean, here we have, uh, out of a whole cloth, out of no, and nothing, that suddenly they're saying, oh, it's okay to kill your baby before it's born. And, and we're to the point now that they're saying, well, you can, you can kill them right up until they're born. You can lay up on the table afterwards and let them die. I mean, what the heck is going on in this country? We have, you know, we've just lost our moral bearings, and the Supreme Court, in many, 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 many ways, has been criminal in the in the whole activity of things. And you know, there's some stuff before the Supreme Court now that they say may, you know, somehow ultimately result in the, you know, overthrowing, if you will, of the Roe v. Wade. But at what cost now, too, is that going to happen? There's people saying, you know, oh, yeah, you, you overthrow Roe v. Wade and you'll think revolution. You know, people are they're gearing up. Now, you say, well, if, if it doesn't overthrow Roe v. Wade, the people that are in favor of, of pro-life, if you will, they're not going to have a revolution. They haven't done anything in 49 years to speak of. They've, they've talked and jabbered and everything like that, but, but there hasn't been an uprising. And, and then <laughs> there's another tangent we can go off on. If you're really pro-life, does it mean you can't kill babies before they're born? But it's okay to kill babies that are born, and young men and young women, and moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas all over the world, whether it's by drone strikes or by invasions or by um, just plain brute force as we go into other nations and and, uh, by force of arms compel them to something the Founding Fathers completely opposed our involvement in other nations' uh, affairs, internal affairs. In fact, their their basis of government that they established in 1780, excuse me, 1776, was based upon a treaty that was signed in 1648, the Westphalian Treaty. Treaty, and in that treaty, it was agreed that no nation could interfere in the internal affairs of another nation, and that they were they were sovereign within the nation. There, that uh, no supranational 
I mean, whether it was a church or a, an organization like the United Nations or NATO or CETO or CENTO or ANZUS could interfere in the eternal affairs of any other nation. Now, of course, with the Council on Foreign Relations and the United Nations now, uh, they want us all to forget that, that the basis of our nation was that if we established in 1776 a sovereign nation, that we would be able to stand as an equal among all other nations, and they would have no authority to interfere with our internal affairs. But the way they're running it now, they want us to interfere by force of arms or any means possible. I mean, you know, you can have the CIA and, and do the a covert when, The idea when we said nobody could interfere with our uh, internal sovereign country's affairs, we meant that for other nations as well, but we also meant that then we would be a light on a hill, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that we would not put our um, you know, lamp under a bushel or whatever, but that we would let the light shine of how you look to God for solutions, how the Ten Commandments and the Ten Bill of Rights can literally divide power, and checks and balances can prevent governments from getting uh, too powerful, and that we, the people, by the consent of the governed, by a moral, religious people, could set the standard, creating the greatest economic engine in the world, and it, we were supposed to be this example, and then other nations... Uh, would look to us as a guide, look to us for hope, look to us for solutions, and we would look to God, and we would then lead the way. Uh, and some would not comply, some would still be evil to their people, uh, but the contrast, the contrast would be there. The truth would be evident for the whole world to see. When we come back, Dr. Bradley continues. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to, in my opinion, one of the greatest solutions radio programs on the air. Why? Because we look to God, family, and country for solutions. And we the people can. We the people must take action. As you all know, Roe versus Wade has resulted in some of the most permissive abortion laws anywhere in the world. For example, in the United States, it's one of only seven countries to allow elective late-term abortions, along with China, North Korea, and others. Right now, in a number of states, the laws allow a baby to be born from his or her mother's womb in the ninth month. It is wrong. It has to change. Americans are more and more pro-life. You see that all the time. In fact, only 12% of Americans support abortion on demand at any time. Under my administration, we will always defend the very first right in the Declaration of Independence, and that is the right to life. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. 
American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. We're talking with Dr. Scott Bradley about American sovereignty, literally our liberty under God, doctor. Well, there's no question that that was the intent. Uh, every, every step of the way, there were legal, uh, foundational precedents set principles that were applied to bring this about. And uh, since we've abandoned all of those things and, and we no longer learn them in America, we've been adrift. And, and as you pointed out before the break, we, we were supposed to be that light on the hill. We were to lead by example. And, and, and that example is, is readily and easily documented if people are willing to observe it. Uh, like I say, my little, my little book, 526-page pamphlet, I call it, it, it covers, it touches upon each one of those uh, foundational kinds of principles. I, it's 16 chapters long, and I intended, when I wrote it, to make each chapter ultimately into a book because everything can be expanded out that far in terms of, like, the moral imperative issue that's, that's chapter 9. Uh, that could easily become another book. The, the right to keep and bear arms could easily become another book. The economic portion could easily become another book. I have been dissuaded, uh, to this point anyway, from doing that by many people who said, oh, my goodness, we got too much to read already. Just let us read the, you know, the, the outline. <laughs> and that's what this little 526-page book is, is, a, is a, an outline. But, um, I, I mean, I do not understand. I do not understand how people can say they're pro-life and yet they're pro-war. They become hawks. You know, you look at the Lindsey Grahams of the world. There's never been a conflict around the world where he hasn't wanted to go get some Marines slaughtered or to have the Marines slaughter somebody else. I mean, you look at uh, what Eisenhower did when he was in. He sent the CIA to overthrow a, an elected government in Iran. It, it wasn't our monkey. It wasn't ours to figure out like that. But, but the acrimony that's been uh, gathered by you know the mullahs that currently lead that. I mean, they they fan those flames all the time. Iran's an enemy because we made them such. Um, it, it's just astonishing to me. We just had uh, our 14th grandchild be born here on New Year's Eve day, and you look at that beautiful, precious, delightful, miraculous gift from God, and you say, how in the world can we become so perverse? as to turn our backs on, on such a, a wonderful, delightful, uh, amazing, it's, it's precious beyond measure. And, and, and yet, we, we tend to, to just forget all of this stuff as we go through the, the, the travesty that's become our U.S. government now. And, and I feel terrible that, that we have to even talk about these things where, you know, we're stealing from other Americans. I mean, I'm all over the place, I know. But we steal from some Americans, take their their 
wealth that they've created, we take their the labors that they brought forth and the fruits of those labors, we take them and we redistribute them to other people, whether it's other Americans or, or other nations, tin horn dictators, whatever. We violate the Eighth Commandment, thou shalt not steal. But that's just the way we do now. They're, we've abandoned that those fundamental principles that the nation was established on, and now it's become... Uh, it's been so many years now that people think, oh, it's it's as uh, <laughs> uh, Judge Roberts said in his confirmation hearing when he was being made, uh, uh, being appointed to the Supreme Court. They asked him about Roe v. Wade, and he says, oh, no, it's settled law. Settled law? My eye, what about the thousands me, of years of settled law? It's settled law against God's law and against a couple of hundred years of precedent, ladies and gentlemen. It's not settled at all. It was an absolute betrayal of law, and it's been so for the last 49 years and must be replaced with God's law. Thou shalt not kill. Doctor? Well, that's exactly the point. I mean, here Roberts, in his perverse twisting of things, thinks, oh, no, no, no. The sacred ruling of the Supreme Court has become God's law to us. I mean, what an absurd concept. And and uh, there's so many things that are that way. I mean, and you say, oh, no, the Supreme Court, they have the final word. No, they don't. God has the final word. And we can all tie it back to that. I mean, you you say, oh, no, the Supreme Court, you got to let it go. Well, you look at the Dred Scott decision, uh, you know, uh, Back in the 1850s, I call it a dreadful Scott decision. Supreme Court ruled that black people could never be citizens. There's something less than human is basically what it came up. And it's like, holy cow, the Supreme Court ruling. You must be kidding. But that's what we're doing to babies because of an idiotic, stupid, foolish, vain, stubborn, proud, godless decision that was made back in 1973. And suddenly with John Roberts, I, I would venture to guess that John Roberts will stand as an impediment against any change of those kinds of things. And and I sadly, I'm, a, I'm worried that uh, I don't know exactly how they'll come down on this Roe v. Wade thing, but Amy Coney Barrett, for example, she has never, never, in my remembrance, ruled at anything that undid the Leviathan government. She has always ruled in favor of this metastasized government so I don't know how she's going to come down on a Roe v. Wade thing because she claims to have a heritage that's different than that. But the fact of the matter is she has always ruled in favor of bigger, more powerful, more intrusive government. And it, it just really makes me worried about, you know, we think we think we got some real friends on the court that Trump appointed. And, I wish and I'm we did, concerned. sir. I wish right, we so did, too. Here's the deal. We talked about how America became a city up on a hill. And the question for you, Dr. Bradley, to round out the program is this. Can we return to and become a city upon a hill again? Can we do it? Oh, in my mind, unquestionably, we can do it. I mean, I, I, I've told you before on the program that I left home when I was 16. And I, when I was a teenager, I, I saw America from Florida to Alaska, New York to California, I fell in love with the land. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with what was here and the goodness of America. I was in people's homes, and I could tell you stories about meals we had shared or helping when I stopped by to maybe help build a church or something like that. 
I mean, on, on radio programs I listen to as, as they, you know, on a Sunday morning, you know, you hear these, these Christian radio programs where they do a call-in program and people talk about the things that really matter to them. There are good people in America. And the problem we've got is we've got uh, at the head, if you will, in so many instances, not exceptional. I mean, occasionally there's exceptions, but in most instances, they have become a godless set of judges, not just the Supreme Court, but those that sit in Congress and the Supreme Court and the, and the Senate and the, the, uh, the, the executive branch. I mean, it's, and, and largely that's been carried out in some, you know, state legislatures and governorships too. But there's a lot of good people, and if they could be awakened to a sense of their awful situation and come to say, no, not on my watch, you know, we talk in the preamble about how the Founding Fathers established this for themselves and their posterity. Their posterity was on their mind all the time. Many of the Founding Fathers never lived to see what they had hoped for. Button Gwinnett, for example, signed the Declaration of Independence, dead a few months later. But they had a hope for their posterity. And, and we, the people of the United States today, have got to rally to the original Founding Principles We've got to start, you know, you put people in office that are going to honor their oath of office. This consent that we gave, we gave you power to do these things within these limits and bounds. And if you look at the Tenth Amendment, if we didn't give the national government that power, it does not have it. And so virtually everything that the general government does today violates that premise. So, but we the people have the authority to do that if we will just awaken and arouse ourselves to a sense of our awful situation. And it's got to start in the home. Well, I guess it starts in our own personal hearts. And, yes, and then in our we, hearts and our homes, no doubt that's where it starts. The family is the fundamental unit of society. Uh, our relationship and our with churches. God is in, in our churches, for sure. We need the black-robed regiment to return, for sure. Uh, but, ladies and gentlemen, the question isn't can we return to and become a city on a hill uh, again. The question really is will we? And I think that's up to each one of us individually and as families to answer that question. Because if we as individuals don't do it and as families don't do it, then there's no hope that it'll ever get done. Government cannot do that for us, ladies and gentlemen. We must do that and then say to the government, look, you have your authority based on the consent of us. And we've divided your authority vertically and horizontally uh, to make sure you guys don't get out of control and you've abused it. And we're going to rein in your belligerence. And we're going to demand accountability, and we're going to do so uh, by, you know what, turning to God Almighty. It is about God, family, and country, and that is the only way back. And I know a lot of people have a lot of things they want to focus on, vote fraud, this, that, that, the other. I appreciate those things, but I submit to you as I started out the program, those are the effects of the cause, the cause, the immorality of the people, the solution to repent, to turn to God, to look at God, family, as the solution and if we do that if we keep the sabbath day holy if we jettison this thou shalt not kill idea and we kill i mean then we're in trouble if we don't kill if we obey that commandment and if we keep the sabbath day holy then i believe things will trickle down from there and we can see a change in this great country uh so can we i don't know i know i'm sorry i know we can will we i don't know i pray the answer is yes and this whole program is dedicated to influencing and encouraging. We believe the pen, the word, to be uh, the preaching of morality and religion to be greater than the sword. Do you want to finish on that point, Dr. Bradley? 
Well, certainly nations can and will be. We can look at throughout history, be chastened by God. And George Mason in the uh, Constitution Convention of 1787 made the comment that because nations do not exist in the eternities, they must receive their rewards or punishments within this life. And that, uh, I think, has been... I think that's been the record of history. God chastens the nations that will not abide by his counsel. Look at what happened to ancient Israel when they turned their back. If we're a modern Israel and we turn our back, I just wonder how soon it will be before our nation is chastened. We, the people, have a responsibility to turn our faces back to the original intent that God set forth upon the the whole world. And uh, we can be that light on the hill again not by force and compulsion, but by example. And we can teach the principles to other nations, too. Well, you wonder if we're not already being chastened with COVID and with the climate change, you know, manipulating everything that we do and saying government's literally uh, pushing for tyrannies. I believe the chastening has already begun. Will we wake up? Will we realize and will we do what it takes to return? I pray and will work my entire life for the answer to be yes. Dr. Bradley, thank you so much. It's always great to have you back. We'll chat Friday, sir. All right. Look forward to it. Uh, You know, Godspeed. Amen, sir. Dr. Scott Bradley, ladies and gentlemen, his book, To Preserve the Nation, incredible. Chapter 9, The Moral Imperative, was our discussion today. It's not about selling books, although if you want more information, that's where you can obtain it. It is about, though, really leading by example. It's about showing people the way, and I don't believe very many people are doing that these days giving real guidance they bring you to the brink of the problems but they rarely double down and provide guidance and real time-tested solutions for sam and dr bradley god save the republic